It's the afternoon cruise. I'm chatting with Jose James. Now, Jose hails from Minneapolis, but he's been living on all sorts of coasts for years now. But he's making it back to town for a two-night holiday show stand at the Dakota on Tuesday, December 12th, as well as Wednesday, December 13th, with special guest Christian Sands. On top of that, Jose James recently released 38th in Chicago, an amazing song from his forthcoming album, 1978, which is scheduled to come out on April 4th. Jose James, I know you have a busy day, and looking at your website, I can see you have a very busy life. Thank you for taking some time to chat with Jazz88. Thank you, brother. It's always uh, it's always great to connect back home, and I gotta say, I owe uh, Jazz88 a lot. And I don't know, I don't know how much we can talk about that, but you know, when I was a kid in Minneapolis, 13, 14, I was always listening on the radio, trying to figure out what this crazy music called jazz was. And I, it didn't make any sense to me for a long time, um, but I was determined to, to figure it out. And then one day I heard um, Take the A Train by Duke Ellington. And one of the announcers said, most people think it was written by Duke Ellington, but it was actually written by Billy Strayhorn. And so I love a mystery. So that just got me hooked, you know, that the, the joy of the song and also the backstory. And from that point on, I was like deep into jazz. Well, we are beyond happy that we could be a small part of your development. And uh, speaking on behalf of the Twin Cities, Jazz 88 certainly included, we owe you a lot. You've been an incredible ambassador for the Twin Cities music scene, and you've just been an absolutely essential part of the story of jazz worldwide uh, for a decade plus now. And talking about your connections to Minneapolis, I, I feel like that comes through throughout your catalog. The song 38th in Chicago, probably given away by the title, is not uh, you know a happy-go-lucky celebration of tuning into Jazz 88 at age 13. It, <laughs> it's about this, this tragedy that also connects uh, with it being in your hometown. You're from South Minneapolis. George Floyd was murdered, in fact, mere blocks from your family home and from the spot you played some of your first shows. And... It, it is a, a powerful tune, and I first wanted to ask, it comes years after George Floyd's murder, and I don't want to say, hey, there's some kind of you know timetable where you got to turn this thing out, but I'm curious, had this been rolling around in your brain since that day in 2020, or is this something that sort of came to you more recently as you started writing for this record? It's a great question. You know, I think um, a lot of, like, you know, protest songs or, or topical songs, they take the time they take, you know, and I think, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of, of people like Nina Simone, for example. Sometimes, you know, there's a there's an immediate reaction where people go to the piano, sit down and 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 it comes to you. And in my case, it's really taken a long time. You know, um, there's another song. This is actually from the album 1978 and in the spirit of Marvin Gaye and that kind of like 70s social protest. Um, Curtis Mayfield, you know, Sly, all that kind of vibe. Prince, you know, too, um, in his way. It it goes into the next song seamlessly. So I'm giving away a bit of the album, but there's a song called For Trayvon, which uses the same chord progression as 38th in Chicago. And For Trayvon is a, sort of a very stark piano with string uh, trio and vocals, very sort of classical Nina Simone vibe. And then it goes into... 38th in Chicago. So I call this album Party and Protest. And that's kind of the spirit of the 70s for me. Yeah, it's, it's taken a while to sort of push past my my rage and my frustration and my sorrow and 
all those kind of things and sort of get to a point where I can have the the distance that's needed. You know, I think novelists are incredible for that or playwrights. They can sort of take a, a story or a situation, process it, and then have that distance as a writer to actually give it shape in a way that makes sense. Um, that being said, I've, I've done the song a couple of times on my recent tour in Europe and it was kind of wrenching, you know, mm-hmm. so that's going to be that, that part of it still remains fresh, if that makes sense. It, it does. And I, it does seem to me to be kind of a unique position for songwriters to both be potentially the evening news as well as the playwright reflecting, you know, 20 years or 100 years backwards. And and I, I appreciate it again. It's, it's it's not like I got you on a calendar for saying something. I was just sort of figuring out, uh, you know, where it came about. The, the tune um, asks a lot of questions about how long it'll take for the suffering of black people to be seen, to be acknowledged, and to be addressed. I know that question is being asked around the world, but you also know it's being asked with a special intensity uh, here in Minneapolis. You're a man who's, who's traveled the world but comes from here, and on top of that, you're connecting with some sort of international blackness on this new record talking about some brazilian players that you're connected with and i believe a player from another part of the world as well when you think about these questions being asked about when will this suffering be acknowledged and not just acknowledged but addressed um how does it impact you to be a man who's you know flying to japan in a handful of days and spends plenty of your life in europe etc goes all over the world how does that traveling and that world citizenship sort of impact your understanding that's a great question. You know, I mean, you certainly see um, how everything translates across society, you know, how racism or sexism or anti-Semitism or what have you goes across nations and, and cultures. Um, you know, I have to say I have a tremendous, I don't want to say advantage, but, you know, being a light-skinned black man, I certainly don't get the same level of, like, scrutiny. Um as many of my my darker brothers do you know i have a lot of black people in my band um different projects and you know it's it's shocking how um they will always get pulled into into security for example at every airport you know everything will be searched you know it's always a random check for the same person and you're just like man you know and and it's kind of like this death by a thousand cuts, you know, scenario where, um, you know, you're, it's, it's like Louis Armstrong said, it's like, or Dizzy Gillespie, you're an ambassador of the United States and you're also dealing with this daily racism, you know, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I've never had any sort of like major, um, like life, life altering situation on the road. I've certainly had like my ups and downs and and I look after my people, but you know, it is it is um disheartening to see like if you go to Europe to see how they're they're dealing with their immigrant communities, particularly people of color, um, and the language that's used. It's pretty horrific, you know, and, and um I guess it's a weird position, you know, and I know like Prince talked about this too, where it's like you're sort of in this weird bubble because if you're famous or if you're known as an artist, then it's kind of like, doesn't really matter. It's almost better if you're black, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
because it's like, oh yeah, it's, you're so cool, and then people want to dress like you and talk like you, and but you're still. What I've learned over the years is that you're still not seen as human. Either way, it's, you're either, you're dehumanized, one way or another. So, at least I can use my platform, uh, such as it is, to talk about these issues, and you know, and it's really resonated. When I did the um, tribute to Billie Holiday, and I was doing Strange Fruit and dedicating it to Trayvon every night that really resonated with a lot of people and also accomplished what I'm trying to do, which is not have jazz perpetually live in the 1930s, forties or fifties. You know, it's like, no, this is, we're able to engage with audiences today in a meaningful way as well. And also hopefully be agents of social change. You have your goals for your career. The ones you just talked about in the last 15 seconds, you have done incredibly well because you've written relevant music that has been uh, very applicable today. You've also framed music from sometimes, you know, 100 years ago, but frequently more 15 years ago, 25 years ago, whether we're talking Bill Withers, Eric Badu, uh, you seem some, you, you come off uh, to me as an artist who's uh, very comfortable uh, looking backward from today and involving today in that looking and also looking forward. And I just, I salute you uh, because I know it's an uphill battle and I know it's not exactly what the jazz police of the world want. And so I, I, <laughs> I appreciate yeah. you uh, for charting that path. I'm chatting with Jose James. Well, he, absolutely, my man. I'm chatting with Jose James. He's getting ready uh, for two shows at the Dakota on Tuesday and Wednesday, December 12th and 13th. The show is called Merry Christmas with Jose James and Christian Sands is going to be joining up as well. Now, this has become a bit of a tradition for a lot of folks in town, as you sure well know, Jose. People go, oh, yeah, Jose's back in town, and this is a chance to see you holding court at the Elite Jazz Club in town. What's What are you looking forward to with this year? I think this is the first time I've seen, like, sort of a, a listed artist like Christian Sands on the bill. What will he be doing, and what will you be doing? Well, he's incredible. I, don't, I mean, I'm sure you know him well. He's one of the premier a jazz pianist of his generation, um, if not the premier, you know, and I'm really spoiled because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a duo with Aaron Parks uh, the week before up in Boston and then, you know, coming with, with Christian Sands, it's like, wow, <laughs> you know, it's like really cool. So, um, you know, he and I have been talking about doing projects for a long time. He's done some of the Christmas tour with me. Uh, he just released his own Christmas project this year as well. And, you know, I think he's got to be like the premier accompanist, you know, yeah. certainly for me. He's really just a stunning player and so, so beautiful in his um, sense of history. All the things you're saying, the sense of history, but bringing it forward. And there is something so unique and dynamic and personal about um a duet I remember seeing across the street, you know, uh, Bobby McFerrin with with uh, Chick Corea, you know, at, at the, the the encore when he did the all Mozart shows, the famous shows, and just there's there's this incredible everything is stripped away, you know, there's no bass, there's no drums, so you can really feel the spirit of the song and the musician. So I'm really looking forward to that. I hope we record it actually. Probably a good idea. <laughs> yeah, but it's this is one of the it, it, it's one of those times where I want to be like Jose James, 
take pictures. Like, think about, the, you, you know, <laughs> we're going back not that many years. You're 13 years old, hearing about Take the A-Train on Jazz 88, and now you're a person who spent uh, a, a fruitful career with Blue Note, and then on top of that, I'd say even more impressively, have maintained that level of awareness and that level of Rolodex where Aaron Parks and Christian Sands want to play with you while charting your own course and running your own record label. I hope you document as much as you can because this is – I mean, I'm, my next question is kind of like, as a fellow Twin Cities resident, do you ever pinch yourself and go, how'd this happen? Like, how'd I, became, <laughs> how'd I become one of the names? How, you know, are you past pinching yourself or are you still doing some pinching from time to time? Every day, man. Every day I'm pinching myself. I, you know, I'm extremely grateful. I say this all the time that I was certainly not the most talented of my peers. You know, um, you know. Shout out to the the Washington family, Kevin Washington, who I used to play with on drums, and you know, his father Donald and mother Faye, and you know Jeff Bailey, and gosh, you know, I, you know, growing up listening to uh, Debbie Duncan and. Dennis Spears, you know, um, it, it was overwhelming, you know, the, the, and Bruce Henry, the level of talent in the Twin Cities is so high and so strong. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't other than other than, you know, banging my head against the wall in New York for for a decade. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why it happened. But, you know, I think it was just I never gave up. Um, and I am deeply grateful, and, you know, especially now post-pandemic is, is that much more meaningful. So the fact that, you know, I can put out music, like you said, on my own record label and keep the, the level high and that people still want to come see me is I don't take that for granted. Well, we don't take you for granted as somebody who was raised here and makes time uh, to come back here. We, I understand you belong to the world and you're, you're making fantastic contributions to the art form that will be celebrated uh, long after you're you're off this plane, but I am so thankful that part of your itinerary involves coming back to the Twin Cities and and bringing your your skills. So Jose James, very thankful for you. Thank you for taking your platform and making a song like Thirty Eighth in Chicago, because I, I I bet you there's an easier path. I bet you there's an easier path that doesn't involve the lead single being called Thirty Eighth in Chicago. And thank you for not <laughs> thank you for thank not you. taking thank that. Thank you for path. the support. And, yeah, man. and thank, thank you. you for the holiday show. Uh, Jose James, we sincerely appreciate you. Good luck at these shows at the Dakota on December 12th and December 13th. And we're looking forward to getting the full record. Hopefully we'll get a couple, couple weeks before April 4th. But looking forward to the, uh, the thing coming out so we can support it here on Jazz 88. Yes, sir. I got you. Don't worry. <laughs>